0: Hello and welcome to StratHack, a new podcast series that aims to dig deep into the art of strategy and decision-making, hosted by me, Sarah Holland, and me, Amelia Turode. We're the two founders of the Thornbreak Collective, an award-winning brand consultancy based in London, but working all over the world. In each episode, we lift the lid on a company or individual who inspires us, talking with them about the decisions they've made and the strategic process they've gone through to achieve success. Then we identify
1: and highlight the key brand lessons and marketing learnings which we believe will be applicable to businesses anywhere.
0: Before asking ourselves and you the really tough question, so what are we now going to do differently? In today's episode, we're talking redefining performance workwear and the evolving nature of work in a post-COVID world with banker-turned-entrepreneur and founder of fashion brand dye, Joanna Dye. This is a story about the power of brand building from day one, of relentless customer centricity and of sustainability as a business model and an operating system, not a bolt on initiative or policy. And perhaps ultimately, this is a story that starts with the power of a great pair of trousers. Welcome to Strathack. We're delighted to have Joanna Dye, founder of innovative women's wear brand Dye, join us for this episode. Banker turned entrepreneur, Joanna started DAI four years ago with a mission to build a digitally native company designing tailored performance workwear for women who mean business. As you'll no doubt here today, she's meeting that mission head on and means a fair amount
2: of business herself. Welcome to Strathack, Joanna. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Joanna, your journey from investment banker in the city to fashion brand founder is a really fascinating one. And I guess like so many entrepreneurs, people that we've spoken to on the podcast and clients that we've had, your story really starts with solving a problem that you were experiencing. And I guess you saw a gap in the market and then you saw a market in the gap. And I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that and that moment that you decided to step away from corporate structures and do it
2: yourself. I started my career fresh out of uni into investment banking and did that for eight years in both New York and London. And while I love to look smart and tailored and really learning the importance of feeling confident, especially as a woman in many male-dominated fields, I realized that, you know, working long hours, trying to break the glass ceiling, traveling a lot, these clothes were not designed to move at our speed they were wrinkling, they were uncomfortable, they were digging in at the waistband, they all required dry cleaning. And so eight years in, um, it was on one of these trips where I had a a 4am cab pickup, a day of meetings around Stockholm, and sitting on the flight, the last flight coming back to London, my waistband was digging in, I couldn't lift my arms, and I wished I wore my yoga leggings. And then I thought to myself, can this feel like yoga and still look like a power suit? I had this eureka moment in 2016 and already back then it was like almost 20 years of Lululemon and Sweaty Betty at leisure had completely boomed and I myself am quite an avid amateur athlete and I just thought can this four-way stretch breathable wrinkle resistant machine washable high performance fabric be made into a collection of tailored workwear and I envisioned a world where women weren't restricted by our clothes but rather empowered our clothes and not thinking—is my waistband too tight? Is my skirt twisting? When they needed to deliver their best performance, and so that was the genesis of the brand and the the thought or insight that I had that um, led me to to leave my secure job in investment banking and go for it. And on that journey, on the personal professional journey, I think at that point in time, you know, eight years in any career is quite a long time, and I really was evaluating and questioning myself, am I being fulfilled here day to day? Am I doing something that I feel like has um, an impact in a positive way? And I think beyond having just basic needs of yes, financial security, I don't think money is the biggest motivator for me. So I wanted to create something that had a positive impact in a tangible way for women, um, especially coming out of that environment for eight years and And so I took the leap of faith and, yeah, left full-time. I gave myself a period of time to see if I could do it. I signed up for London College of Fashion and took design and pattern cutting. I then asked my wedding dress designer, Amelia Wickstead, if I could go and intern for her unpaid for three months. And I did that and ventured to the largest textile exhibits, went straight to all these performances. Innovative um, mills and started seeking out so many different fabric swatches and started testing with it and seeing which one performed best with clean tailoring lines and construction. And off I went to launch in 2017.
0: I want to pick up on the other thread that sits with the brand. So I want to pick up on sustainability. And so Dry really sits at that intersection of innovation, tailoring and design. And as you just said, that's your that's your ethos and your sensibility. What underpinned a lot of that was also making sure that just as there was a four-way stretch and you could move, you also could put your smart trousers in the washing machine. You didn't need to kind of leave an impact with dry cleaning. You wanted to make sure that you had a circular business model. You wanted to be sustainable and you wanted to minimise impact. And I wanted to kind of ask you, last year, you led the business into B Corp status. I guess, firstly, had that always been the goal? Had that always been the plan? And then sort of secondary to that, how did you maintain that goal and that strategy and that business priority last year with everything else that was happening culturally, economically, and in reality for your customer? How how did you maintain that kind of that path?
2: So when I launched the business in 2017, it was pretty early on that, I mean, even before in the pre launch stages within the global fashion industry, if you were an insider in the industry, the pollution that fashion was creating in the planet was already quite resounding and known. And I had the opportunity to create a supply chain almost like a blank canvas. So, in every opportunity I could, sourcing more environmentally responsible raw materials, ensuring that our suppliers are. Based in Europe, and they meet the supplier code of conduct in terms of human rights that are based on principles from the United Nations, ensuring uh, our employees and, and packaging and di- diverting waste and using non harmful chemicals. Everything we could, I could do, I made a better decision or evaluated and analyzed what was the best we could do. And upon launch, it wasn't very soon after that I read about B Corp and I really. Loved the concept of business as a power for good. Stakeholders, not just shareholders, and stakeholders include your employees, your customers, your community, your suppliers, and doing better for the planet and people. And and that the biggest piece of B Corp is it is written into your legal documents, your articles of association. So that means you know from the very first day, anyone who came onto our journey. We lived and breathed these values in this DNA. And as we grew and brought on more um, people, including investors, we continue to have that as a, a core mission of ours. And that's continued to, to stay. I think through the past year, it's been a challenging time, to say the least. But it gave to the broader world, we noticed that it made sustainability within fashion more mainstream and accelerated the awareness around conscious consumption, that we didn't need more. Um, We needed better quality and and essentials. And um, I think responsible shopping and consumption is, is a principle, I think, that will be here to stay. For us, initially, you know, our business was quite impacted. It gave me the time to really tick off some of the huge pieces within the B Corp assessment and put forward our application for the final certification. And so I'm really proud to say that we came out of that um, and got our certification in November of 2020. And our score stands ahead of some incredible and really well revered brands by me, including um, like Allbirds, Finisterre, Tom's and it's just it's just astounding for us to get to that milestone um in the first go and i know our journey is just beginning how
1: amazing isn't it great to be able to take something positive out of such a challenging year and and, and actually w- what i'd like to do if that's alright is just is is just stay with 2020 for a little bit mm. because because actually you know one of the things that's always struck sarah and i about your brand is how deeply you understand your audience um, and the the women that you're designing clothes for. And, and I'd like to think a bit, to talk a bit about, you know, the nature of work changed irrevocably, you know, last year. And e- even doing this podcast, you know, again, you know, 18 months ago, we would have gotten a studio together. We would have all been sitting there, you know, now we're all doing this on Zoom. Did you have to think differently about how you designed, about what you designed. You know, the nature of work changed so much. So how did workwear change? What 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 could you do last year?
2: Oh my gosh, it's been a, a roller coaster journey. Um, and even, you know, within the first two or three months of lockdown, no one thought we'd be sitting here 12 months later and still in lockdown. And so I think the outlook then was, you know, what do we do? How do we navigate this period? And I think we benefit as a startup by being small and agile and being really able to respond quickly to exactly what's happening. By the summer last year, we conducted our annual very extensive customer experience survey, and it came out of that that 75% of our customers wanted to see everyday essentials from us. And when we asked them, what does everyday essentials mean to you? Some of the answers were describing you know, a t-shirt or specific items of clothing, but mostly it was describing feelings, comfort, versatility, quality every day. And so we got a sense for exactly what our customers wanted. And three out of four women, that is that is a huge statement for us. At the same time, anecdotally, I was speaking to our customers and knowing that women, especially during this lockdown, were doing the double duty, quote unquote, of, both taking care of the home and the children and still continuing on with their careers or maybe closing a deal while they're cooking dinner. Those types of stories happen quite often. And I I envisioned the new collection being adapting for the everyday and everywhere. That performance is still just as important as it was before, but versatility even more so and pieces that you could work from home. You could drop off the kids you can wear on the weekend or for your walk, but you can also throw a blazer on and look incredibly smart and still go to a board meeting when that world returns. And so that lends itself to our launch of the Every Collection for the Everyday Everywhere Every Woman. And we've seen incredible results um, out of that. We didn't order enough, Um, but coming out of that evolution and since the start of this year, you know, Jan 4th, we all started the year with a new lockdown. At Die, we've had multiple very um, intimate focus groups. It's on Zoom, so you can't really have like 10, 15 people trying to talk over each other because Zoom mutes you anyway. But intimate groups of five to six and three key themes emerge from our focus groups. One, that while there will be flexibility for most employers going forward in terms of few days working from home and then few days going back in, those days when you're going back in are going to be more important because they're probably for meetings or to be seen. Personal brand is still really important, especially for women, and women are going to look to dress to impress or maybe even dress even more accentuated on those days that they get to dress up to go to work. The second is there are higher expectations on comfort. And comfort and flexibility will be key. And I think we've always had comfort. That's comfort and power performance is our mission. So that lends itself really well to everything we're doing and all the innovation in our fabrics and in our in our designs. And the third one is the component about sustainability and that less is better and buying sustainable and buying investment pieces and, and local, where this is going to have... Um, extend to in our upcoming collections and and set the tone for this year is really, it's about back, not back to work, but back to life. But you can keep the comfort and women can have it all.
1: No, I think that's great. One one quick question. So the the slight pivot then, I loved your phrase. I think you said adapting to the everyday. I guess Mm -hmm. how much of the pivot
2: is going to be permanent in terms of your products? I always saw us going into performance lifestyle and that is for the woman. So across her Monday through Sunday, eventually, and I think the lockdown has accelerated for us that pivot into into those product category expansions or that narrative in what our products can do and solve for our customers. So yeah, it's 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 something that we anticipated much further down the line because we were, on such a strong note, just with going out to the office and office wear and work wear and travel work wear. Um, But I think our immediate and long-term product expansion will reflect the lifestyle for the customer. Just on that Monday through Sunday lifestyle
0: kind of piece, one thing that you do really well is root the brand in the brand world for your customers and a really key way that you've done that is partnerships whether that be trailblazers awards recently and in the box that you get you know you get the voucher but you also get the items um, you know from other partners you get the cocktail you get you, you know you kind of you service your customers world and you have that really strong understanding and are starting to build out not just monday through sunday during the day just what does a her whole world look like Interested for you to kind of, I guess, share how you're making those decisions other than the obvious about the partners that you work with, because to your point that you made um, just there, you are still in startup mode. You are a young brand and there's that difference between you're partnering with someone um, to kind of build out that world for your customer. But also, how do you keep a clear sense of kind of who die is at the heart of that and where might feel like too much and your brand kind of isn't in control?
2: That's a good question. I think when I started, it was because I wanted to solve the pain point, but there was a gap in the market. And so coming into what otherwise would be quite a saturated women's wear market, we all know there are so many brands and choices to choose from. I felt none of the other brands out there were solving the problem were resonating in an empathetic way with the customer. It felt um, lacking a soul. I mean, I think by the origin, our DNA has always been challenging the norm, being unbound by convention. Something, we did this exercise recently and wrote down all these values just the way we wanted to on Post-its. But another one coming out of it that I love is success shouldn't cost the planet. Um, And and it, it goes back to why... I felt comfortable leaving finance. I felt like I had a stronger purpose to do and create something that was for a a better impact in some way for women, for one, and also for the planet, and that money isn't the number one motivator. So in putting that in the framework, anyone we partner with has also an alignment on purpose, on values. You know, we have done several partnerships now with SmartWorks, the UK charity that helps disadvantaged women get back to jobs through clothing, as well as skills to interview and succeed in their careers. We When we do branded partnerships, you know, we really look at, are they aligned from a sustainability angle? Are they doing something that is thinking differently, challenging the norm, being unbound by convention? And also their product fits into the lifestyle the world of our customer. And so always having that very clearly defined roadmap for us, or it goes back to the brand and the values and, and what we stand for and who our customer is, that helps us really navigate who naturally makes sense for us to, to partner with. It's very clear how personal this is, isn't it,
1: Sarah? I remember when you were when you were saying we needed to get Joanna onto the podcast. It's it, 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 you're absolutely right, and it, it's really interesting to hear you, Joanna, because it's almost impossible to separate Joanna Dye, the founder, from Die the brand. And I guess you know your personal values obviously are in, infused into everything you do. And I, I, I guess I just wanted to to ask you about that. So. A boss of mine, um, a planner called Charles Valance, wrote a book, um, a great book called The, B- the Branded Gentry, um, where he talked about people like Emma Bridgewater and Paul Smith, pe- founders who gave their name to a brand. And you took a decision to put your name on it. And and I guess it feels different when it's your name on it. Dynamic women. I would love some of the play of words, the copywriting and the tone of voice.
2: How does it feel? Does it feel different when it's your name on the brand? It was an interesting exercise I did before I launched the brand in that I didn't think it was necessarily going to be my name. I mean, it um, it's clearly not a traditional fashion or high fashion brand that does a runway. And there, there's a lot of eponymous designer names to the brand. But when I did the brainstorming exercise and then came back to, I wanted something really short and sweet. And then dye in Chinese actually means to wear. It's to wear a, like your glasses as something on your head, like a hat. It's not like a trouser, but it's, which is a different verb. But I just thought it might be a coincidence. And as you guys know, as branding experts, the the .dot .com is important. So when I went on to search, you know, that was part of the, the filtering and dyewear.com was available as well, which I was surprised at this point for seven letter, anything to be available. <laughs> and so that that kind of happened to be a coincidence. And, and then it's been great because it's so short and sweet, the puns and copy with dynamic women and dynamite and dialogue or blog. It's just been, it's been fun to, to go with that. Um, But in terms of, yeah, I, some, on some days I wish it weren't my name just because I, I, I want to create something that can just continue to grow and evolve, um, with the right values and DNA in place, um, in the future with or without me, but setting that. And then I think with our tone of voice, I feel like it's always been someone who's calmly confident, but still bold and ambitious and is unafraid to speak and challenge the norm. Um, we've got a lot of conversational, tone of voice, but we're also, we finish with tailspin, like women who are just there to challenge and be like, we're not done yet, you know, being dynamic and witty and clever and intelligent and still clear and simple. And I think to me that, that feels like our tone of voice. And it was also this January 4th in the lockdown where probably most brands were sending their like new year, you know, new you or the generic marketing email Jan 4th was a dark day for everyone. We went into our third lockdown. And so I wrote a letter to our entire community and said, it's a gloomy day. It's not easy for me or you or anyone. And I realized the feedback from that email was so incredible, but over-indexing on empathy and compassion during this time, and maybe just that's where it's headed in general, is really important. And, And even on Instagram and social media now, the more authentic Your visual, your message, your whatever you're saying is, the more it's going to resonate with people rather than the perfectly glossy studio shoots that looks like it's someone that you can't even relate to. So, yeah, all learnings, but it's also an evolution for us as well. I guess just on that, to
0: take a moment and look a little bit more towards the future, you touched on it earlier about the things that you don't think will change, that we won't lose this desire to kind of have comfort and style and that we, you know, we won't lose this kind of desire to be able to be more flexible, quite literally in terms of kind of fabric and flow, but also just in terms of work and what that means and how we've all kind of seen a different way of doing things. With all of that kind of fundamental change in the world of work, you know, how are you planning on sort of meeting the moment as well as meeting the customer where she is, particularly when we start to think about even the next kind of six months and that feeling of re-emergence, but also not being willing to go back to what there was before. What does that kind of future hold for you and and, and how do you see that? Do you see, is it, is it more retail and performance space? Is it more activity? Is it more kind of product? Just how, how do you see you kind of meeting the customer where she's going to
2: be? So, I touched on realizing coming out of lockdown and speaking to our customers that the next moment really feels like it's back to life, not just back to work and keeping the comfort. We were always the pioneer in performance where for Women Who Mean Business, we want to continue to be that and be the go-to brand of work leisure, a new term that I think is emerging. I think it's been quite commonplace on the men's side but emerging and not really existing yet on the women's wear side but if you think about at leisure, this is an extension of that into you know I think the word work leisure defines it perfectly we want to continue to be the go-to brand for that um, where we come across for all of that is across all of our channels from we're looking at our next pop-up in London and across other destinations we want to Continue to build our presence um, through organic word of mouth and powerful groups of women who are just, you know, networks of women who communicate with each other and share the same journeys, and and hence that the Trailblazer Awards we did for International Women's Day. I think the biggest focus right now for us is on the product side because we've shown in in the new very few new products that we've launched recently that there are some significant home runs that builds on in our natural extension of what we already established, our power move trousers, our strength in these feel like yoga trousers and tailored wear. But for example, our first jumpsuit ever sold out within four hours. And that was on a pre-order with a few weeks delivery um, Our elasticated waistband um, straight leg trousers sold out within two weeks of the first every collection launch. We just said it's back in Back for pre-order and we had a phenomenal um, response to that. So product expansion that serves our customer in the same way that we always did, but then extending out to this performance lifestyle of our customer, that's going to be a huge focus for us. On the sustainability side, we are going carbon neutral this year and we are leading the way in circular economy. So this year we're going to have 50% plus of our fibers be either recycled or from natural sources, such as from beechwood trees and eucalyptus. And um, we're looking into performance merinos and cottons and other fibers as well, but all with a performance aspect to it. It's got to do better than what currently is on the market. So look out for that. And we're really excited about that. How do you think that that's going to play globally
0: as you start to expand? What do you think that's going to look like? Because whilst there are some uh, consistencies, in terms of who the dye woman is, there's different. There's different things that play differently in different markets. There's different needs, and also just also purely from a fabric, and um, how you're also going to make sure that as you develop globally, you can maintain those standards, particularly from a sustainability perspective. And I just kind of wanted to ask: there's so much of what's crystal clear now from a brand perspective while you're here and in the UK, just ha- how do you think that that's going to translate as you start to expand, if, if indeed you you
2: that is the intention? I always saw us as becoming the global go-to brand for innovation and performance wear for women around the world. And from day one, we saw that come through on our e-commerce channel. Um, it's the same woman, the same customer profile that is in Hong Kong, or Singapore, or Sydney, or New York, or San Francisco. Yes, there are various um, different local cultural things, but we've always been rooted in timeless, yet modern design. And I think just from a design standpoint, that is part of the life cycle that we want to create in in terms of someone owning our garment, that style should not go out out of style. My vision for taking and Taking this performance lifestyle even further is that for a woman who would likely travel from New York to London to Hong Kong, that we have a flagship store in each of those cities and she may not even need to pack her suit because we know her size and she can just go and have it dropped off at her hotel and, you know, we'll take care of the laundering, but she can just get on with her day. We provide her with like the best city guide. We provide her with a space within our performance spaces and our stores that she can have a coffee, an organic coffee, meet with a client, really building out and being everywhere she is. And so I think for us, that vision is really clear in my mind. And it's um it's a really exciting journey to be on, to be making that vision come to life. Joanna, thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to to meet with you and to hear from you.
1: And and a, and a double pleasure to hear of a real commercial success story coming out of COVID. Um, and we are, you know, huge fans of yours and we can't wait to see what happens to die in the future. We'll be watching, watching and,
2: and, 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 watching the story with, um, with anticipation. Thank you so much, Amelia and Sarah for having me. It's such an honor to be here. And thank you from
0: me Also, uh, for your time today, but also perhaps far more importantly, thank you for the game-changing trousers. And people, (laughs) go and check out High Waisted Power Moves I cannot recommend highly enough. Um, Thanks so much for your time today, Joanna. So we say goodbye to Joanna and we'll post links in the description to Dyewear.com and uh, flag all of those products and other brands that we discussed. Stay with us as Amelia and I are now going to dig into this conversation and pull out our key findings and implications for brands and businesses. Wow, so... What a great conversation that was, so much to think about and unpack, but it feels like feels like there was three kind of key themes coming up and perhaps the most obvious place for us to start would be brand. I think for me, just reflecting on that conversation with Joanna, what's really interesting about them is obviously the origin story, which we can kind of get into, and I know you'll have thoughts on. But what's really interesting is we see this with founders a lot. You know, such a personal origin story. How do you how do you scale that up? How do you make that mean more? And what's really interesting, considering Dai is still essentially a startup, very small in size, is their brand building focus and the work that they've done from a brand perspective to imbue the word die, literally her name, you know, her origin story, but they've imbued it with so much more the tone of voice, the community, the comms, and all of that that we sort of discussed with her. And it really feels that actually what they've and what she's tried to do is make sure that die the brand feels more than die Joanna, feels like more in the hands of that kind of and in the hands of the dynamic woman. And I just, I think it's interesting for us to maybe sort of start at the beginning.
1: One of the things I found interesting about Joanna's story is that founding story, and we see it so often in the work that we do with our clients, uh, and that's the way that that stories and brand, they start with a problem, and it really struck me her story about being on the being on the plane back from Stockholm and the the the. the, the uh, sort of, she was. I think she said, "You know, I wish that I wish that I'd worn my yoga pants." Uh, and this idea about sort of a brand and a business being built out from a problem is something that we just see time and time again. I thought that the way that she focused on thinking outside the category and the inspiration that she took from the likes of Sweaty Betty and Lulu Lemon and the you know the the, the world of athle- leisure, athletic leisure, athletic wear but that nobody had really done that in the world of workwear, where, um, and, and the way that she took inspiration from outside the category and then built something out of it, I thought was, was, was fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, um, the skill in, because it feels simple and it feels quite natural and it feels like an evolution, but there's such a skill in making your problem, everyone's problem. It doesn't just feel, you get the sense of the origin story and you can, you know, her customer can kind of lock into that, but actually all of this work that they've done around brand, there's so much in that, you know, again, this comes up time and time again for us, but particularly particularly with Joanna, where I find this interesting because it is her name, yeah, there's something really personal in that, you know, and, and we've seen these examples of what happens when you no longer own that, you know, the Joe Malone example that we've kind of used in, in the work that we do and what happens when you you give a part of yourself away in, in, in the brand in a certain way. And I, I think what came across in the discussion we just had was the way that, the, you know, some of it's quite clever just tone of voice some of it's the you know all of the dynamic woman and the play on words that they use yeah we love a good pun and we love a good play on words and and it it feels quite lighthearted and quite natural and it's not taking itself too seriously and there's a sense of fun um but also often authentic- the way they're playing fact, to yeah t- completely you know
1: to wear in chinese as well with with her background as well i thought yeah. that that was that was really interesting something else that that i i know that will have resonated with with you is her understanding um as she's building out the brand of who she's talking to mm. and that sense of a real understanding of the audience. And I know that she mentioned in in the interview we did, she does a kind of a deep dive annual um sort of insight research piece. Yeah. But 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 as we talked to her, I got the sense of a business that was so in tune with the audience and so in tune with their needs and their wants that actually, you know, I mean, I think, I think a key learning of that, you know, and I I know something that you've talked about before is that sort of that relentless customer focus and that real sense of, um, of being part, you know, you you get a sense from her that she feels like she's, it it feels very much like a community.
0: Yeah, completely. And I think, Definitely, second key takeout for me is that relentless focus on customer, but also the lesson in investing in it. You know, you just called that out there. There, again, she doesn't just rely on high level social media stats to sort of understand her audience on an ongoing basis. There's no assumption in, you know, she knows exactly who her woman is, she knows who the dynamic woman is. And also that conversation has continued. You know, she referenced that in terms of, how they've evolved product in the last year during kind of lockdown and how she's continually thinking about what, what work and life means to this woman now. That constant evolution and just focusing on what the pain point originally was, goes back to the evolution of the origin story. what that pain point originally was is not the pain point of this woman today. Her moment in the airport at, in Stockholm is not the working woman's reality right now, today in 2021. So I think that that investment in focusing on the customer and constantly having having a conversation, thinking about the network effect of that community, asking the question, "What do you need right now? What's your pain point today, and can we meet you there?"
1: No, I think I think that's right. I loved when she talked about every day, everywhere, yeah, and that sense of versatility, comfort, and flexibility, mm. which which are such such kind of guiding principles now as you think about how a business um stays true to its to its origin, stays true to its purpose, but actually has the flexibility and has the versatility to adapt to the changing environment that it, it, it finds itself in. I think DAI is actually a very good case study for how businesses grow and, and, and shape and, and, and fit fit with the new reality.
0: Yeah and and, and doing that from you know, throughout the kind of, throughout the chain. I mean, it is, it's a relentless focus on product as well. It's not just, it's not focusing on the customer and then marketing to her differently. It's, you know, new collections, it's product innovation, even that killer product, you know, again, going back to the sort of how you typically build, you know, you have your killer product and you build around that, that's how you get famous. We talk about this a lot in kind of in, in our day job. <laughs> but actually, even with that killer product, they're on, I think, the third iteration of that Power Move trouser now, because there's always that sense of you can improve, you can innovate. How has that changed? Does the waistband now need to change because women are sitting down at a desk more? All of that detail, I think that that focus on it's growing and scaling. And I loved, I loved the ambition of you know that global sensibility that she's got and that that vision of the global woman and all of that chat about kind of the you know the seamless kind of frictionless the hotel and we know your size and yeah and just all all of that really thinking about those needs of this woman but that in all of those points at, at every moment and in every detail constantly thinking is this the best we can do is this the best we can do at this point it's very conscious
1: uh, as you're mm. speaking now i just sort of wrote down it you know it's it's mm. very, it's very intentional. Um, it's very conscious, and she's incredibly mindful of who she's talking to, um, and, and and maybe that goes in to the third area that I know that you wanted to talk about, which was all around the sustainability, yeah, 100%. purpose. Yeah. You, mm. you know, and there's a lot of um, chat generally around uh, stakeholder capitalism. You know the move away from shareholder capitalism to, 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 to stakeholder capitalism and and conscious consumption. Um, and I wondered you know if there's anything Sarah that, that struck you from Joanna and, and her story of die that you wanted to pick up on in 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 that in that that area.
0: Yeah I think I mean I think it pulls together probably both of those two previous takeout thoughts, which is at every point challenging the norm you know and it's lots of interesting things that again you know we love pulling on kind of dave balesford and the the one percent and the aggregation of marginal gains and there's there's a lot of that kind of at every point how can we just is this the best we can do In Ch- challenging themselves as well as the norms but it's really interesting that actually all of that innovation all of the sustainability b corp status there's no sort of washing of any kind. It's just the way they do business. It just makes sense to her that that at every point you would you would ask yourself what's the impact of this decision? At every point, is this the best way that we can do this? Are we do we need to use this supplier or can we use one in Europe, for example? And actually just all of that decision making it's so intrinsic. It's so kind of baked in. It's intrinsic just, and
1: intentional. That yeah,
0: fact. completely intentional. And, and as you say, conscious is a great word because we can think about conscious consumerism. We can think about conscious decision-making and that feels just such a part of the brand. And almost, as we've talked about before, this kind of, we see it a lot when we work with, if you're a startup and you're building a business from the ground up, you're not pivoting something existing from day one she's had this in her mind it wasn't something you know this wasn't an initiative or a policy that was added on no, later
1: I, I think that's right but I think I think so you know I think I think we've seen this a lot which is there's a real um there's a new breed of business coming through mm. you know she she hasn't positioned this as kind of eco workwear or sustainable no. professionalism you know that that's not yeah. how the brand's being positioned but you know I think there's a new breed of business and I think there's a new generation of entrepreneurs who are mm. doing things very differently. But, and it's funny because, you know, it's a new generation of entrepreneurs, but, but a lot of um, her thinking goes back to the sort of the mantra around sort of, triple bottom line, yeah. people, planet, profit. And that's yeah. been around, you know, what, 15 years, 20 years? Is it longer than that? But, you know, people, yeah, planet, pro- profit yeah. as a way of thinking about business su- success. Um, it is very prevalent again and, it, you know, is, is, is hugely impactful in, in the way that Joanna's approaching her business.
0: No, and I think, you know, uh, many hours of other podcast time, airtime, column inches have been, you know, pages of books have been devoted to sort of the discussion of brand purpose, sort of placebo or panacea, kind of, you know, snake oil or water of life type Dichotomy discussions that we constantly seem to love to have in in our world. But I just love almost the the simplicity of um this is the way to do business. Mm. That's kind of that's that's just that's such a core part of this brand. It just she knows why the brand exists and and what they're here to do. She knows who the customer is, she knows how she wants to do business, she knows how she wants to grow, she has a clear plan to scale. All of those questions that that so many brands wrestle with, actually just feel feel quite obvious, and 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 it, in in the best possible way, they're just it's just it's it's what die is, and there's there's a real kind of key takeout here I think for lots of lots of thinking around purpose and and brand and to actually it should just be the way it is it's just the way you do business
1: yeah absolutely right. Listen, Sarah. I thought that was I thought that was great, and thank you because I know dye was um, dye was a brand that you brought um, that that well that you that you love and um, that you <laughs> you've you've, uh, you've been a customer, a loyal customer of. So this was I thought this was a great suggestion. So thank you so much for reaching out to Joanna because I thought she was fantastic.
0: Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to StratHack with me, Sarah Holland, and me, Amelia Terode, founders of the Form Break Collective. To find out more, visit wearefornbreak.com. And for more information about today's guest, everything we've discussed, and how to get in touch with us about this podcast, please check out the notes that accompany this episode.